beauty of that story. Other people's perception of you ain't none of your business. I wonder if this is what normal people feel like. Well, like Eleanor Roosevelt said, well-behaved women rarely make history. And nothing says mental health um, cast live like saying, starting with, I drank a whole bottle of wine. Oh, hey, everybody. You just point at me. That's so rude. That's, that, that, that is the business. That's how you do it in the business. You point. Because you know the business. Of course. That's why I went to Duke Ellington School of the Arts. And I worked and in radio. You know the business. Of course. How long I'm ago the... was that? How long ago was Duke Ellington? Duke Ellington was, what, 40, 30, 40 years ago. And you know, you mm. can talk to my, you know what? You know 40? what? We, our guest today. 40 Was it 40 years? I said maybe it was 30 40? years ago. Please don't do that. <laughs> that is not nice. Oh, Stephanie, you're on my side. You're on my side. <laughs> Welcome back to another week of Bipolar Girl podcast heard globally in over 70 countries. I am super excited about today's show. Why? Because, drum roll, I'm not going to play any cheesy. I have my sister come and join us and grace us with her presence, but we'll get into her background and everything. But how are you, Stephanie? I'm hanging in there, you know, one day at a time. That's all we can do. That's all we can do here. I'm going to give you some cheers. You got the biggest fans right here cheering <laughs> cheering for you um so yeah so stephanie this is kind of the, the time where we start talking about our week and and then at least the last two weeks because we haven't been on since um the new year's new year's new year new year's new, year Eve. <laughs> new year's nostalgia show <laughs> um so how was your week honey it was <laughs> not bad Good. Well, that's good to hear. That's but, good. I mean, oh, well, we'll start with you, Stephanie. How was your week? You're the guest. Oh, okay. Well, um, it wasn't bad. Um, I did a couple of things that were on my to-do list, but you know, I say it wasn't bad. That means that it was uh, not horrible. So, not bad and not horrible. It, those are good things for me. Um, but you know, I dealt with some some physical things thanks to lupus. But um, other than that, I've been hanging in there. Just been laying around a little lazy. You know what? Ain't nothing wrong with that. You know, it's certainly it's certainly one of those things that, you know, when you can say that it's not bad when you have lupus, um, I certainly say that's a good week. Yeah, so. I think that's a win. Yeah, that's definitely a weird win. Mm-hmm. And we're going to cheer mm-hmm. and give you some claps, church claps. What about you, honey? How was your week? Two weeks? I don't know. My two weeks were made by yesterday's interview. Oh, yeah. So we finally, everyone out there in BP land, we finally nailed down Dr. Alexander Nicolescu. And it was more line, along the lines of, hey, do you have time to record? And I was sick as a dog. We've been sick as a dog. We just jumped on Zoom and we pre-recorded the uh, the, the show. And so we'll air that next week and, uh, and in its t- entirety uh, with Dr. Amy DeRamus. So we're super excited. Rebecca was sitting here like it was I was Christmas. like starstruck. Yeah, she was starstruck. <laughs> I was so excited. Yeah. I was so excited to have him on. His research is just amazing. So yeah, wow. that'll be within two weeks right yeah within two weeks because we uh, just to let you know guys we announced that we'll start doing the show every other week now because we realize we're pu- putting out more content than what people can actually keep l- up with keep up with and we notice the numbers actually pick up more when we give you guys more time mm-hmm. so uh 
<laughs> we'll give you more time. We'll give you more time. Um, so anyway, uh, let's see how many, where are we in the four? Is there any current events you want to bring up? Not really. I can tell you recently about the young man who was a teacher in DC. Oh, that got tased. Who got tased. I will tell you this. And, and, and this goes back to our law enforcement show with Chad and the whole gang in Montgomery County and, 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 um, and, uh, and Joel Mm -hmm. and that, you know, certainly officers certainly need, we need, in every department, crisis intervention uh, units to know and recognize. Because I saw the video, and he's clearly, clearly he in was crisis, going through something. Yeah, yeah. and I'm worried mm-hmm. someone slipped him a Mickey. Because you know, out in California, you know how it is. It's the wild, wild west up there. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what your take on it, Stephanie. It's current events. We like to cover one or two. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have all the thoughts and all the feels around uh, law enforcement and how they. Um, have behaved basically for centuries. However, mm-hmm. you know, of course, it's more it's coming more to light nowadays, given social media and everyone being able to walk around with a camera ready. So, you know, it's 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 quite unfortunate, and you would think that um, people would be more cognizant of their behavior, and especially not only you know do these things come to light now but so does awareness around mental health and various other things that are happening so you would think people would take all of those things into consideration before they take some type of action yep yep i, I couldn't agree with you more and that, and that was the sort of crust of uh or the gist of, of what the of interview the of the show was is that you know you have to recognize when someone is in crisis and how to handle and manage that and clearly i mean when i saw the video i saw our mutual schoolmate troy um posted the video and i saw it and i looked at him i said yeah this is someone clearly who was not you know uh, you can tell they weren't a vagrant and, and it wouldn't even matter if they were i'm just saying you can I tell was gonna say. but it, but mm-hmm. you can tell this is a person who otherwise, you know, for me, I would look at them and say, oh, okay, this is an otherwise clean cut looking person. There's something going on. I can look in their eye. No, there's no justification for ever doing that to anyone. But I'm saying right. you can you can deduce in that moment, like something is going on, cuff the person and then mm-hmm. get them to safety and not mm-hmm. do what what I saw in that video. Yeah. And so, right. yeah. Yeah. And that's the whole thing that Chad Matthews and his whole unit in Montgomery County, that's what they do is that they, the law enforcement will show up, they assess the situation. And then when they see someone is in mental health crisis, rather than trying to police them, they call the crisis intervention unit and they come out and they actually go through their strategies with calming the person down, getting them to safety, and then go walking through what actually happened rather than trying to prosecute them or arrest them through a mental health crisis. So, Well, one thing that's happening close to home is Baltimore now has mental health um mental health workers working with the 911 operators that's, that's so they brilliant. can help de-escalate the situation even before the police get there that's, that's brilliant no, that's wow. definitely brilliant yeah, no, yeah that's great. I, was, I would i like that was great news yeah that is great news no i, I definitely love hearing 
I definitely love hearing that. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so that, that was our current events, but we're going to go right into the interview. Like I said, everyone, I am super excited. Uh, Steph, I mean, Rebecca and I are both excited to have her sister-in-law, my sister, on the show. Let me just tell you a little bit about Stephanie. Like, I've known her my entire life, and so since <laughs> we were young, she's always been an incredible writer. Um, and for that, in her career, she has let that lead her. I mean, she's been published in anthologies, literary journals, She's poetry, been, I mean, won poetry awards, um, and I'll let her get into her background a little bit, but I'm just super excited to have her on the show. And one thing that she has certainly been battling through a lot of, a lot of things that happen, especially in all communities, in particular in black communities where we don't talk about stuff, she's been dealing with it and been an advocate for it. And on top of that, she's now battling lupus and she turned that into action too. So she didn't let that defeat her. She's fighting through it every day and um, i'm looking forward to getting into that discussion having you guys meet her and then um hopefully we'll get her to read some poetry and then um and we'll take it from there but welcome stephanie thank you so much guys for having me um you know my brother steven he reached out to me a little while ago and it's funny because we've been trying to do this for a while but we we've, we've been sick on both sides yep <laughs> so <laughs> Well, I'm glad that this this time and this date were, uh, was able to work out for us. No, no, definitely was great. Well, why don't you go ahead and take a moment and just like introduce yourself, uh, you know, to the world and and tell everyone a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get it to um, we'll just let the conversation lead us from there. Sure. Okay, so um, my brother already gave me quite the introduction. Um, we are DC natives, and um, I have to his point, taking my writing, it, you know, for a long time, um, practically since birth, it feels like that was the only way I truly knew how to communicate before I realized I had a voice. My writing taught me that I had a voice. And in doing that, um, I just began to express myself and then be able to take um, basically my experiences in the world or what I perceive and put those into writing and hopefully reach other people. Um, through such, yes, I've been published in um, some anthologies, some literary journals. I am uh, presently working on additional small pieces, short stories, um, and um, a novel that, you know, has been taking me forever to work on, but I am determined to get some headway with that this year. Um, in addition to that, I am um, a nonprofit professional <clears throat> uh, who has been in the industry for uh, going on 16 years uh, with a uh, experience in professional development program management, association management, and diversity, equity, inclusion, access, and belonging. Um, and I am a lupus warrior. Uh, it's interesting because uh, on and off throughout my entire life, I've, I've been sickly. And um, it's funny because I have best friends who used to tease me about that all the time, um, how I was always sick in one way or another. Um, and lo and behold, I'm later diagnosed with lupus and li likely have had that my entire life, but it had gone undiagnosed all this time. So, and I, um, I will say, just to yeah. drop in, just to jump in, I would say that like for the last four years, we've been living out here in Maryland. We've been and we're like, okay, well, why Stephanie just hates us? Why won't she come and we see our cats. house? But in real, mm. yeah, she has cat. We have cats. We have animals, and all of these things trigger you, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Cats can kill me. Um, it has been proven. Not proud that it's been proven, but um, yeah, an interaction with the cat put me in the hospital for two weeks. Um, so yeah, I have to steer clear from cats. Um, but 
I have quite a lot of um, triggers since the lupus, I guess it's progressed. Um, that's why it became a little more um, easily diagnosable. Um, I'm happy to kind of talk about the history and how I got to that diagnosis. But um, if, if that's something you guys are interested in. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. Okay. We want to talk about it all. Okay. So what had happened was, um, well, probably started more or less around uh, 2018 into 2019. Um, the short and sweet of it, I started having some symptoms and found out that I had, um, uh, what is it, hypothyroidism. Mm. And, um, you know, and not only did I have hypothyroidism, it, it the nodules in the thyroid itself began to kind of grow uncontrollably. So I then developed this goiter out of nowhere that had to be removed um, in January of 2020. So let's count that hospital um, as surgery number one in this series. <laughs> um, so in January 2020, um, I went in and ha- had my thyroid removed. I thought everything was going to be perfect and good moving forward. I was at, like all of us, I was looking forward to 2020 and being my year and, you know, feeling better and all of these things. And then the pandemic hits. Um, one month after the pandemic hit, I had a pain in my leg out of nowhere. Um, come to find out after some back and forth with emergency rooms, I ended up getting admitted um, into the hospital with uh, blood clots in my leg and both of my lungs. Mm. Um, and that was a very scary time because, you know, that was right in the height of COVID. You know, no family members could come visit me. Mm-hmm. I was in that hospital by myself, you know, mm. amidst all this going on with COVID patients on the same floor as me. So, that alone did not do well with my mental health. Um, that was quite a struggle, but, um, and I think I was in the hospital at that point for about 10 days. Mm. Um, so hospital trip number two, I got out, I was just like, okay, that was this one-off weird thing that happened. No worries. I'm going to move on into the world positively, et cetera. Um, unfortunately, <clears throat> a couple months after that, even though I was on blood thinners, I got more blood clots and I was Mm. back in the hospital in August. Um, And then after that, more blood clots still on a different blood thinner. And that was in September. Um, So one month after that, I was back in the um, hospital with blood clots in my lungs. Um, After that, you know, my doctors and I just went on a, a deep dive trying to figure out what's wrong throughout the whole experience, though, because I tend to try my best to have a positive outlook. But mm-hmm. at that last, um, you know, admission into the hospital with more blood clots, I was like, OK, what what is going on? What why? Why am I being attacked right. on this level? Because it was unreal. <clears throat> and <clears throat> excuse me. And um so my doctors and I, we just went on this deep dive to figure out all that was going on in December of 2020. I was diagnosed with um, systemic lupus erythematosus, mm. which um, in my lupus affects um, many of my organs and systems, but obviously my lungs is one of them and my blood. So my secondary diagnosis was, is something called antiphospholipid antibody syndrome, which basically means I have thick, sticky blood that likes to clot. So I am now on, you know, <clears throat> aromatic medications more or less for the rest of my life. Um, getting that diagnosis was a blow. And it's funny because when I got it, 
I kind of reveled in the feeling of, okay, finally I have some answers, but mm-hmm. it took me a couple of weeks to, for it to truly hit me what that meant. And so, um, so Stephanie, how many yeah. different forms of lupus are there then? Do you know? Sure. Yes. There are multiple forms. There's um, mine, which is considered the worst because it's the most systemic. Um, So that's called SLE, systemic. Then there's discoid lupus. Discoid lupus tends to affect um, the hair. That's where people lose their hair and and get scarring. So it's not only just the hair loss or the lupus alopecia, but then they get scarring in that place. And sometimes you'll see people who have these, you know, horrible scars. In -hmm. addition to that, there's um, something called lupus nephritis that will directly affect the, the kidneys. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, um, I recently learned because I, um, I went to the Lupus Foundation of America, the, the kickoff for the DC walk, because I was one of the committee members, um, a colleague of mine who's, who also has lupus gave birth to her sons and both of her sons because of her lupus ended up getting, um, it's like this pediatric or was a pediatric lupus or something to that effect, which is something I didn't even know about. So mm. that was, um, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, so all of those types of lupus. So mm-hmm. as a result of mine being systemic, they have to, to consistently watch like my kidneys and everything else to make sure that I then don't develop lupus nephritis or anything like that. Um, and then uh, what was that? That was four hospital stays. I had a fifth, um, in March of 2021, where um, I was in for two weeks and had to have part of my colon removed. Yeah. And then um, the last time I was in the hospital, thank God, recently was uh, September of 2021. And that was actually the um, the hospitalization that ended my employment, so to speak. I went on medical leave because it was found right. out then that I have a, um, a, what is it? A TAA, it's a aortic um ascension ascended aortic something so a Mm. slight slight bulge there in my um artery and um aortic artery and we have to you know be mindful of that in anything moving forward so it has been quite the roller coaster because the thing Mm. with lupus is you never quite know what's going to be set off when and to your point uh, Steven, you reference, you know, me and my triggers. I'm, I'm still trying to learn what my triggers are. Um, mm. I know that extreme temperatures in either way will um, send me into a flare. Stress is a huge trigger for me. Mm. Um, so there are various things that could literally make me sick in the drop of a hat. And I just have to deal with it. Mm. My cousin has that um, aortic disorder Mm. and his actually burst and they didn't know that he had it yeah um and his burst and and his son has it now and so that's been a whole he had to go out on disability and everything Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so is it typical for somebody to go so long and not get diagnosed with lupus yes um because they consider lupus to be like the uh, great mimicker because there are so many other um, sicknesses that could that lupus can look like, mm-hmm. and you know, with people without people knowing. And the thing is, too, with lupus is there isn't like this one test that can say, you know, pull the blood, 
run this test. Yes, this person has lupus. It's it's a combination of things. It's a series of tests. It's a series of medical history. Um, it's all of these things that will inevitably help you put the pu- puzzle pieces together to determine whether or not someone has lupus. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky enough to have gotten an appointment with one of the the world's leading um, rheumatologists in the in the lupus studies, and um, you know she was able. She literally saw me on September seventh and called me on um, not September December seventh and called me on December eighth. Um, after reading my history, now it wasn't that simple because she literally had me write an essay, provide my entire medical history all of my blood work up until that point. And then when I went in, she did a physical assessment and additional um, blood work. Oh, and I was also diagnosed with fibromyalgia during that visit. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it was, it was, it was quite the lift, but finally got some answers. And the thing is, even after you get the answers, Mm -hmm. then there's a matter of treating it um, because Mm -hmm. it's not like this set. Oh yeah, here's the treatment. I mean, true. Everyone more or less gets put on hydroxychloroquine because that helps to protect your organs from the lupus because lupus basically is, um, your body is attacking absolutely everything autoimmune. So, you know, it's treating your organs, your, your everything as if it's a foreign body and it starts to attack it. So the Mm. hydroxychloroquine will protect your organs, but that does not necessarily mean that you go without symptoms. Then there's a matter (coughs) of um, finding the right treatment to put you on to be able to manage um, your symptoms or, you know, hopefully get you to into remission. And um, I see so many specialists. It's not even funny. Um, There's pain management, there's rheumatology, there's um, cardiology, um, there's just so many things. And I was recently put on um, immuno, an immunosuppressant. It's like a, a low dose chemo. And so far, I mean, it's been increased twice already. Um, mm. And so far, it seems that um, it may be finally stabilizing me a bit. But, you know, while stable is excellent, that means I'm not no longer going downhill. Um, it would be really nice to start to actually feel better. So and go ahead what are the chances of going into remission with lupus um it it is different for every single person for everybody because yeah because literally everyone's sickness is different there's various levels you know you have people with super mild hardly no symptoms at all um and then you have folks who have literally had to have multiple uh organ transplants um oh. And this is how they're living their lives. You know, people lose limbs. It's, it's, it can be really, really bad. So mm-hmm. I'm, you know, somewhere in the middle of all that. And, you know, I'd like to stay there. So some people are blessed to be able to go into remission for who knows what reason. Um, but some people aren't. Some people are just straight symptomatic for their entire lives. So, so then what's the prognosis for you specifically? Um, you know, or do you avoid those questions? No, I don't, I don't avoid those questions. I just, for lack of a better saying, I know that I'm, you know, I'm not going nowhere, (laughs) but, um, you know, every time I, I go see my rheumatologist and she runs all this blood work 
um, every single time I see her. So, you know, I pay, I pay very close attention to the numbers just as she does. You know, once you find that you have these things, you start to, every time you see um, blood work and you see an elevated number and you want to know what that means, et cetera. And a lot of mine are constantly just checking, like I said, my, my kidney um, activity, um, as well as the amount of inflammation within my body. Um, but one of the things that is under control that could probably, for lack of a better saying, take me out quicker than anything is the blood clotting thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and with my being on those blood thinners and I'm on the highest dose because I failed, um, I clotted on, you know, the usual stuff that you see on TV, like, um, what is it? The, the, um, eloquist and Mm -hmm. stuff like that Mm -hmm. um i i feel none of that works for me so i have to do the do the injections excuse me Mm -hmm. how often do you get the injections twice a day Um, twice a day yep i do them twice a day now i wanted to ask you about spoon theory because spoon theory Mm -hmm. is relatively new in the mental health world and the reason it became a thing in the mental health world is because typically with bipolar, you get a lot of fibromyalgia. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I know that spoon theory is very big with fibromyalgia. So it's just something that we're just recently adopting. um, And it fits with a lot of mental illnesses because Mm -hmm. you really only have about so many spoons some days. Exactly. (laughs) But I just wanted you to kind of explain to the listeners about what is spoon theory. Sure. So spoon theory um, is something me and like all of my um, autoimmune warriors talk about all the time. So basically, you know, most people who are healthy um, and whether that's physical or mental, most people who are quote unquote healthy, wake up with what we might consider an unlimited amount of spoons. So with a spoon, you consider yourself using a spoon for daily activities. It requires one spoon to shower, um, one spoon to do homework, one spoon to wash dishes, um, one spoon to drive to the grocery store and five spoons to do the grocery shopping, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, people who are able to just hop up in the morning and do all all of the things that life requires of you without, you know, losing your mind or breaking completely down you know that that's wonderful for them but people who have limited amount of spoons have to pick and choose what we are able to do because you know I may wake up tomorrow morning with Mm -hmm. 10 spoons so I need to identify what are the 10 most important things I need to do that day to you know get get be able to make it through the day. The day after that, I may wake up with one spoon and that one spoon literally says, okay, the best you can do today is eat to put food in your body. But other than that, you do nothing because you, you, you just can't. And the truth is, if you try to push past the amount of spoons that you have, you can mm-hmm. easily send yourself into a flare, easily mm-hmm. really just break yourself down for an entire week. There have been instances where, um, you know, last year I sold my home and, um, you know, anyone who sold a home before knows how crazy that can be with, um, people coming in to the, do the viewing and the cleaning and the moving, et cetera. And one particular day, um, I did a little too much and I did not know I had done too much until it was far too late. And, you know, my body just kind of went into these, 
these kind of convulsions, these shake fits, and it was, you mm. know, pain from head to toe. And, mm. um, you know, my lungs are affected by my lupus. So my breathing is affected and it, it's just that far. So spoon theory is, is just something that the community shares with those who don't understand autoimmune and how it affects our ability to move in this world. It, it's a matter of trying to use something to help them better understand. It was just, it was originally brought by, um, basically a woman did just that. She and her friend were sitting in a diner and the friend was trying to understand her, her autoimmune disease and how that affects her. And literally it was a, like a, a ton of spoons beside her and she grabbed them all and began to explain, you know, I only have, I may only have two spoons for a shower and to eat for the day. Um, and that helped people who don't understand, understand a little bit more. The woman who actually, her name is Christine Miserandino. Mm -hmm. I think I'm saying mm -hmm. that right. But that's who came up with the spoon theory. And like I said, it's, it's, it's very much a thing in, in, um, in the disability world. Um, sure. Yep. People, people talk about the spoon theory a lot. It's interesting. Yeah. I've heard you bring it up before yeah. and uh, it's interesting to hear it, you know, <clears throat> discussed um, in other, in, you know, in other, I won't say other communities because it's just one big community. We're all just yeah. kind of fighting the fight, but it's interesting to get perspective as well. So how, I mean, this leads right into the next um, sort of, sort of topic or at least area that I want to focus on is how has mm -hmm. this been for your mental health and for right. Jay and, you yeah. know, Tay and, you know, like how's this been for the, for the fam and yeah. for you? Sure. So, I mean, coming into this, I was already, um, uh, prior to my lupus diagnose, uh, diagnosis, I was already diagnosed with um, PTSD from other things, probably for another show, um, mm -hmm. and um, generalized anxiety disorder. So I already had um, some mental health challenges going into this. But mm -hmm. um, of course, going into this, well, of course, triggered what was already there. So uh, the depression, the anxiety, um, I had to go through it took me quite a while. Like I mentioned, I do shots twice a day. Mm. You know, at the very beginning of that, it's not just like, oh, here's the needle, pop it in my stomach, squeeze, boom, and I'm done. The, what it took for me to be able to do that to myself, sometimes, you know, I, it was crying fits because mm -hmm. I, I couldn't even begin to explain what was going on with me to not be able to make that connection or compute that I need to do this. All I knew was I needed to do this to live, mm -hmm. but, you know, going through the anxiety of, of having to do that all the time, it took quite some time before it became um, my norm, but yeah, it, you know, lupus, um, it, there are bouts of depression that are, you know, beyond explanation sometimes because you know you you have you get into this space sometimes where you mourn the person you were and mourn the life you once had you know I, the other day I was just thinking about you know how I used to love to run and um you know go for six to ten mile walks and just love every bit of it but now you know sometimes I require a cane just to you know make it from my car to the store so you know the depression is unreal not to mention um 
you know, how that has affected Jay, for example, who's my significant other and more or less my caretaker, his anxiety is on 10 all the time. Mm-hmm. When I, when I flinch because I'm having a pain, he's immediately on guard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no matter what's going on with me, he's on guard. And unfortunately I've seen him break down from the weight of it all mm-hmm. because he's often scared that, mm-hmm. you know, the next time I go to the hospital, I'm not coming home or things, right. things of that nature. So, um, it, it's been tough, you know, of course, <clears throat> excuse me, I had been in um, therapy before then um, on and off throughout the year. But of course, with this diagnosis and how it's affected me and um, the stress of it all, it, it put me, I went right back to therapy because I recognized mm-hmm. that, you know, even though I am on medication for um, my anxiety and depression, I needed more than just that to be able to work through what's happening to me in my life and be able to figure out how to best live with that. You know, Mm -hmm. what does this new life look like for me? And it's still trying to figure it out. Oh, I can only imagine because I mean, not only are you dealing with the trauma and the PTSD of, of early, early life, you know, coming through adolescence and, and, and going, coming into adulthood, then you're smacked with this and it's like, can I get a break? Um, you know, how do you keep yourself, you know, positive and motivated and uplifted? So one of the things I, I adopted years ago, um, because it's the only way I could make sense of it to be able to move forward is that, Mm -hmm. um, things happen to me so that I can help, help someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the only way I can look at it because Mm -hmm. when we think about my life, in the broad scheme of things. Yeah. I've never got caught a break, but for me, there had to have been some purpose in that because if it was not purposeful, then, you know, that's just, that would just suck. And I can't accept that. So for me, um, you know, it's something that I thought about, I meditated on, I prayed on and one day Mm -hmm. it came to me, you know, the only way you can heal is by helping. And, you know, I've just further in thought in that I was just like, okay, Mm -hmm. so obviously these things are happening. You know, they say, you know, God will never put more on you than you can bear, or, you know, you, you, you bear the weight of these things because you're strong enough or because you can do it, which in a lot of cases is a cop out for some people. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I recognize that, you know, there, there are people who are not armed with whatever it is I'm armed with, where these things happen to them. And they don't know how to cope or deal with it. Whereas I've been you know, dealt the same card. And for whatever reason, there is something in me that can handle that and potentially turn that into something that can help someone else. So -hmm. that's the only thing that helps me move forward. I think what's amazing about that is that, you know, you could easily be cynical, um, you know, um, and as a lot of people we've interviewed, sometimes, you know, you get cynical about the amount of medication that you're on or what you have or what you've gone through. And the fact that you can turn that much like what Rebecca did, both of you, I mean, turning into advocacy and helping other people, Mm -hmm. um, in a sense, that's to be, I mean, not even a sense, that's just to be commended, you know, because you could easily be bitter and angry and upset and, um, and have a different spirit about it, but Mm -hmm. you, you're finding it, you're finding a way to, to pour into other people. Yeah. And I think, you know, and Rebecca, you could tell me whether or not this is true for you, you know, being cynical 
and that negative negativity is not going to do people say you know being it won't hurt you but for us it will hurt us Mm -hmm. more than anything so if we dwell within that negative space it's not going to make us better it's not going to you know help any of our loved ones around us who are trying to be there for us Mm -hmm. but you know stepping out of that and being positive and trying to help others and touch others that is that is a sort of medicine that we can give to ourselves. It is. And, and, you know, I have a saying, especially when people come to me and they're like, I'm so depressed and I just can't get out of it. It's one of those, you can be sad. Like it's fine mm-hmm. to be sad. Don't live there. Right. Don't, don't stay there. Don't, you know, don't make your home there. You have to get up and you have to, you know, you have to brush yourself off and, and do as much as you can to get up. But you're right. Helping others makes me feel better about what I'm having to go through because it Mm -hmm. makes it make sense. you know, I, I was dealt this hand because I am able to help others with the same illness. Exactly. Yeah, no, I think, I I think it's great. And I think it's, it's, it's also good to have a, sort of a foundation of something, a belief system, uh, whether it's faith or mm-hmm. something that really helps carry you through. And that's kind of what I'm hearing, the underlining. It doesn't have to be said, but I hear it. Like, you know, you have this faith, you have this belief. Um, that's your foundation um, that helps helps you drive through. Right. No, that's, that, that is great. And so just sort of the last part of this. So your creativity, your writing, your... Mm-hmm. How has your illness impacted mm. your creative expression? So um, I don't know. Well, no, it does. So it's it's there has been a negative impact on my writing um, mm. because there there have been instances where I've wanted to write um, and I had something to say, but one of the things I haven't figured out yet, and I'm really working on trying to is I, I cannot write through pain. Um, mm-hmm. When I'm in pain, um, I, can't, I can't do anything. So, okay, so let me back up. Um, my lupus also affects me cognitively. Um, you know, the brain fog is real um, mm-hmm. and my memory is affected. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> between when, when the pain kicks in, I can't do anything that really requires me to think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just very difficult for me to do that, and so as a result, and, and you know, full transparency, I'm always in pain. I mean, granted, yes, there are, are different levels to it, and you know, if I'm at a, a Stephanie five or lower, I can write. You know, I can read my books, um, but anything higher than that, I'm, I'm I can't you know, whatever the, the synopsis don't connect in my brain and I just can't do it. A lot of people say, oh, well, you know, when you're in the hospital or you're not feeling well and you're in pain, why don't you read? You love books. You love to read. I, I wish I could because I wish I could escape into that space, but I, I mentally just cannot do it. Um, so that's how it's affected my writing because I am essentially always in pain of some level. And, um, I can't always get it done. So, um, but I mean, as far as creative, create creative uh, wise, when I am able, I am able, um, you know, still me. And then, you know, just 
throughout life and life experiences and changes your your voice your creative voice changes as mm-hmm. you get older etc so i'm sure it's affected my creative voice as well i don't know for sure you know i, I admittedly i haven't um shared a whole lot of new new writing just yet it's coming but um yeah so it's, it's something i'm trying to work through i even at one point um hired a work coach to try to figure out a way to do it and um i'm, I'm still trying to figure it out wow yeah, and you know, in speaking of your writing, you know, I think your poetry is beautiful. I don't know if Stephanie's ever—I mean, um, Rebecca's ever heard it. Mm-mm. Do you do you have a piece that you'd like to read for everyone so they can get a sense of you? And then, of course, in the show notes, we'll drop your link to your TikTok because I think your TikTok is pretty powerful as well, and also your website. Okay. Um, yeah, I have. You know what? I have two potential ones, and I'm gonna tell you about both of them, and I'm gonna have y'all pick. Which okay. one you want to hear? Okay. Uh, okay. So one of them is called Now. Um, it's a shorter one. And um, it, originally it was written because uh, my mom is also um, a lung cancer survivor. She's been living with l- lung cancer now for, um, wow, was it 13 years? Um, and I wrote it originally because I saw she had a negative reaction to chemo one day. Um, And I wrote it because of that. But then, you know, some years later, when I experienced some of the pain that I do um, from lupus, it became valid again, if you will. Um, And then the other one is called Discernment. Um, It's a little bit longer, but it's about, um, you know, how I feel like since I came into this world, there have been um, elements who have tried to take me out. Um, that didn't want me here. And it was about finding myself and, and, and loving myself regardless. Wow. Oh, I want that one. You want that one? I want, I want that I one. I wanted both of them. <laughs> all right. All right. So, all right. So, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> we'll do the discernment. We'll do the, we'll, we will do, uh, we'll do the discernment. Okay. I'm having various mental arguments and irrational rationalizations with each of the parts of me that wants to be the most important right now and always. Balance appears impossible when every available corridor is overflowing. Standing still is a dizzying practice and pointlessness where the weights of my needs and wants tips me unevenly right against the weight of the rest. That would have me sink knee deep in concrete than to tip me left thus proving the facade of simple imbalance where the right of me is wrong. And it's your fault. Counterintuitive to your belief and instinct, I tried. Learned that the epitome of me fell within the shadow of you with no light, no nurturing truth. Your shading me from the sun pervaded your intent, fading the promise of prospect in my core, imbued inevitable proof that you breathed in me your tainted reality disgracefully pumped my veins full of your disdain. Before I was blessed to take my first breath, you stole your life from me. I didn't even know you then, but someone said I was supposed to love you, so I did. With reckless abandon, I did, not caring about the flicker of my spirit's blue flame or the power designated me by the simple mention of my name, nor the dynamic dichotomous polarities residing in the tongue between my lips and the glory birthed from between my hips. I loved you. 
so powerfully with such complete and infallible regard, I didn't even know that there was a me. I mean, come on now, who is she? Audaciously pursuing the light was unacceptable, even if she hadn't realized that's exactly what she was doing. So fueled by generational curses, inherited addiction, and mandated statistics, I silenced her dreams beneath her own screams and muffled her pleas with the depth of her cries. I imprisoned her pain and let things happen and did all this with such tact, such manipulation that she didn't even know that she thought it was because she was unloved, giving to all the very thing that she was deprived of. It's sad, really, watching her love hard and suffer much, although it seems out of necessity, her love replicated her sense of touch, effortlessly absorbing and feeling any texture or nuance of a thing, the slightest shift in the wind or the stillness therein, gauging temperatures and translating them to hues and then putting them to the proper use of blessing someone. Seeing her do this repeatedly, despite the persistent assaulting her gaping wounds, excessive verbal lashes, stomping down her esteem and fanning the blaze of her insecurity, I tried, but she inevitably defeated me. And though on occasion I can rise up in her throat or show up in the mirror, that love thing is just too strong within her. Who was she? Me. And I stand before you as both of these, darkness and light battling out within the soul of me, grateful for the cycles of the births and deaths of me, tortured yet true. You breathed in me your tainted reality, but I exhaled, disgracefully pumped my veins full of your disdain and I bled. Before I was blessed to take my first breath, you stole my life from me and I died, yet was born again. I didn't even know you then, but someone said I was supposed to love you, so I did, and I do, because I revel in the joy of me inside of you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Where's your little clap? Are you? Where's my clap? Like I don't even know what to do. <laughs> fanfare, like fanfare. There you go. Fanfare. Wow. Wow, That's Stephanie. Fantastic, Stephanie. That was really good. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you very much for telling us your story today, um, and telling the world your story. Um, you know, and and taking us through the journey creatively i mean it was just powerful that piece was just moving and powerful but the, all your writing is i mean i'm glad i'm glad rebecca got to hear it uh because it's just like wow it's amazing that's what's good so what's up next for you I mean, um, creatively i'm excited about this novel yeah yeah um <laughs> well the goal of course is to finish um, the first draft before my birthday in June. Um, so that's what I am targeting. Uh, and um, I'm currently also working on a short story that I'd like to have wrapped up and start submitting uh, within the month. Um, and yeah, I have a reading um, taking place in uh, Montgomery County actually next month. Um, but that information is on my website. Perfect. And um, yeah, that's about it. How was Paris? Oh, I didn't want to come home. That's all I got. Oh, wow. I mean, <laughs> it's just everything for me. I, I love it there so much. I, you know, in a way, I can always, I've always have seen you live, living in Paris. Like, you know, I could just see it. A little flat. Yeah. I could yeah. see you there with your little dog. Um, yes. oh, she, well, no, she got a big dog. Oh, right. you, you don't have Verdell anymore. No, no. Yeah. I, and, and, and it'll be interesting um, having a violet in one of the small 
parasites. Right. <laughs> but they're they're supposed to make really good apartment dogs. Yeah, they're just yeah, lazy. They I just lay heard. around everywhere. You're not lying. She's laying beside me right now. Oh, mine's somewhere asleep too. <laughs> That's all they do is eat and sleep. <laughs> Goodness. Well, all right, so now we're going to turn attention to our proverb of the week. Honey, did you pick one out? Because after yeah. that powerful poem. Yeah. I know. I, I'm not going to be able to beat it. But it's a Bulgarian <laughs> proverb. And it says, help yourself to help God help you. Mm. And I liked it because one of the things that I have always told the boys when they get really frustrated or they get um, hung up on something is help me help you. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can just imagine that God wants us to help him help us. Mm. You know, stop standing in your own way. That's true. Mm-hmm. Stephanie, mm-hmm. what does that mean for you? Yeah, no, she she hit the nail on the head. Stop standing in your own way. Um, you know, people, we can be some truly self-centered beings, um, and it's not all about us, you know? So we have to open ourselves up to God's divine will and, you know, Him being able to move accordingly in our lives to make our lives a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you? You know, you know it. You know it. it it's it's funny because, you know, it, we started talking about. I've been talking a lot about you know sort of circular sort of economies and circular faith, and how and and this the, the proverb really relates to that. How you know you know God has a way that He operates. Um, if He created everything um, in the heavens and in earth. You know, everything moves in a rotational manner. Everything is circular. And our relationship with God and ourselves and the universe is circular. You know, when we fall out of favor with people, when we fall out of favor with God, whatever that means to you, we always have a way back in. There's always opportunity for forgiveness. There's always opportunity to, um, you know, to kind of, you know, to move, um, you know, forward. And, um, and, and to renew oneself. And I think we, as our flesh, we have to get out of the way of that. And I think I've hit, it goes right back into what both of you were saying in order to let God or let our, the spirit move us, no matter who we are and what our faith tradition is. Um, so yeah, so I mean, that's kind of like kind of where I'm, where I'm landing. Oh, look, we have someone who's here saying hi. I don't know. Hi. Hi, light bright. Yes. Do, you, do you have a question for Stephanie? Or you just wanted to come and they say hi. They just wanted to say hi. They wanted to say hi. Okay. So why don't you introduce your song of the week, Stephanie? Yes. We listen to it and we love <clears throat> it. Yes. I'm glad you liked it. Um, I recently, probably within the last year, fell into Tank and the Bangas and I just adore them so much. So the song is titled Lazy Days, again by Tank and the Bangas. And it's just amazing and has spoken to my week. I, th- I think it's a good song, but well, thank you, my dear sister, thank you for, coming, for on. coming on and joining us this week. This was an amazing show, and I'm so glad you gave us a reading. I'm excited for everyone to start hearing it throughout the world, and you know, we're always there for you, and if there's also, you want to help us, you, you want us to help you raise money, we'll also drop whatever link you have to raise money for lupus as well. Just, just make sure you send that information to us, and we'll drop it in the description too. Definitely. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another week of Bipolar Girl. Again, this was my sister, Stephanie McDowell, a writer, author, poet, and advocate extraordinaire. uh, Amazing life story. And I look forward to all of you getting to know her. Have a great week, everybody. Have a good one.
I wanna lay, I wanna lay, lay on the sofa, nigga. Most days I wanna lay, I wanna lay, I wanna lay on the sofa. There's such a thin line between finding yourself and being in between. Dream, dream, dream. There's a little bit of faith I know, little bitty seed of mustard grow in my soul. This would do, this would do, this would do, this would do, this would do. 